Thank you for downloading episode 86 of the Shrimps Verdict podcast. All opinions expressed to those of the individual contributors and not necessarily those of either Morecambe Football Club or of Beyond Radio. Every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio. Portsmouth down the left-hand side with Josh Caroma. He's going to cut infield and inside there on the edge of the box. Out towards this right-hand side it goes. Owen Dale with the left-footed oh. effort. Just over the angle. I reckon Ripley got a fingertip on that. And away he goes for a corner. Connor Ogilvy on the overlap. has got room to get the cross in here. It's a really good one as well. And Colby Bishop couldn't quite rise high enough. And then the shot comes in on the second place. Stop Zach Thompson. And that's easy for Connor Ripley. On the central defender as well just to... He's the ball back to his keeper Griffiths. He goes right-footed. One in the air by Delaney. Weir does well to get it to shore inside the centre circle. Back to Weir on halfway. Cooney coming up. Drifting in field. Adam May. Lovely ball. Adam May has got room on this right-hand side. He's left-footed. He's going to have to maybe get it onto his left foot. He's out to look. Yeah! Lovely goal of the afternoon. Brilliant ball through from Ryan Cooney. Adam Mayer got in space down the right-hand side, switched it back onto his left foot and waited to pick the perfect pass. And there's Liam Shaw to roll the ball into the far corner to make it in the 37th minute. Morecambe 1, Portsmouth 0. Great football from the Shrimps down the right-hand side and the switch between Watson Mayer work. You've got to give Derek Adams credit where it's due there. And Mayer didn't panic. He could have tried to drive to the byline. He could have tried to get it on his right foot, but he didn't. He just picked the perfect pass and it was absolutely perfect into the feet of Shaw, who rolls it into the far corner. It's great football all round and it's like what I said earlier is doing We've got good technical players and we need to be confident in our own ability when it comes to final third and I think that's just been lacking lately but it was brilliant. Very cool and calm by Mayer as well into the box. He's been a breath of fresh air since he's come into this side. Pack going to go with this long throw. Ryan Cooney-esque. Pack's taking the run up and that is a monster throw towards the near post headed oh, away well by Delaney, Delaney. absolutely fantastic and then Caleb Watts can hoof it up towards the halfway and a bit more than a hoof that Kieran oh. Phillips oh I just couldn't oh, get he past the in. might be in yes. here Adam Mayer on the overlap into Jensen Weir great chance for 2-0 oh. and that is a wonderful wonderful save Adam Mayer again with a fun that was fantastic football that is a brilliant tip over the bar from Josh Griffiths lovely end-to-end football there for Morecambe and that would have doubled their advantage right on the half-time whistle Mayer through saw the run of Jensen Weir he pulled the trigger right-footed and somehow the keeper got it over just over the bar for a corner Weir out towards Cooney what a ball comes in and Caleb Watson made it 2-0 that was a free header three yards out he should have broke the net really and he's not it wide. Uh, Rico Hackett and Joe Morell are about to be introduced for Portsmouth. Well, if it follows the game so far, Ryan Delaney might win a header here. He's up from the back. We across. Delaney nods it in for 2 0 in front of Bartercard. Here we go. Whistle goes. We are. Whips it in. It is Delaney. Oh, it's just wide. 
Here comes Paulson down the left-hand side. Into the edge of the area it goes. Needs to get a foot in. Liam Shaw up against Scarlett. Cross is going to come in. Blocked away partially on here as far as Colby Bishop. Ball still inside the Morkin penalty area. Cross comes in. It's headed by Marlin Pack and cleared off the line. And then it's all sorts of going in. But it's eventually forced over the line. And there is the equaliser. And we have Rudo's missed opportunities. And you can't allow a striker of the calibre of Colby Bishop to have that space two yards out. Forces the ball home. And on 67 minutes, it's Morecambe 1, Portsmouth 1. Scruffy, scrappy as you like. But the visitors back on level terms. Homer couldn't quite get it through. Dylan Liam Conley Shaw, again. Who gets on it to Dylan Connolly down this right-hand side. He's hairy board in front of the Berlin Wall. He's made 30, 40, 50 yards. And there's oh! opportunity to make it 2-1. He scores that last season. Oh, he smashes it in, doesn't he? That. And he's scuffed it wide of the far post. But what a run from Dylan Connolly. Nahua stops him. That's a beautiful ball. Here's Dylan Connolly. He was clean through one-on-one. -on -one. Great ball by Cole. Lovely pass through from Stockton. And Conley could not provide the finishing touch. A great save again from Griffiths to get the ball behind for a corner. But we were in again and we didn't make it count. Donald loved that time. In fairness, read that really well. Go on. Here comes Shaw. He's being roared forward on the edge of the area. Arthur Nahua. Left foot trademark. Oh, just oh. wide of the far He's post. right there. A very congested Morgan penalty area. Goes a bit shorter, actually. Pack gets a lucky bounce to the ball of Arthur Nahua. Slide rule into the feet of Rico Hackett. Very congested. Is it going to be blasted in? It's not. And here comes Paul Stockton. He's in a foot race up against his man. Stockton goes round him. Needs to play in. Jensen Weir. Here comes Cole Stockton. Jensen Weir for the win on the near post. Saved by Josh Griffiths. We've not made the most of it. Brilliant play by Stockton down the left-hand side. I thought once he'd cut in, he was going to shoot himself. He should have played Jensen in a couple of seconds earlier, perhaps, but by the time he had done, the angle was a bit tighter, and Jensen shots blocks away for a corner. Reaction to the action. This is the Shrimp's Verdict on Beyond Radio. Free kick taken short. That is going to be that. It's a superb point for Morecambe, all things considered, you have to say, against a very, very good Portsmouth side under Danny Cowley. They are going to for sure be there or thereabouts in the promotion picture come the end of the season. But it could have been so much better. We had lots of great chances in both halves, really. All things considered, it's been a fabulous performance for the Shrimps, given how poorly we played in the two cup games against Sheffield Wednesday and MK Dons. It's chalk and cheese and Tom Collins alongside myself, Dave Salmon. Tom, where has that performance come from today? What a, a brilliant point against another fancy team. Well, we had, uh, put, put it into perspective, we had 14 more shots than we did on uh, Tuesday night. 15 today, one on Tuesday, so speaks volumes. Just, Just a number of chances we've created. It's, we're feeling disappointed. We play as well as that, Tom. Why can't we go away up to Lincoln City next week and do and do exactly the same? There isn't any reason, is there? There isn't, no. There isn't. There isn't. I don't see a squad that can't get out of the relegation zone here. I look at the team. I look at the talent in the, in the team. When we're playing it, when we're on it, we Some, look like we could put three or four past them on. Some of our play on the break today was absolutely superb, but you've got to give credit to Portsmouth. 
uh, they are a very good footballing side. Danny Cowley knows exactly how to get results. And they've got away the one-all draw here at the Mazuma Stadium this afternoon. Uh, but we can just take so much confidence from this, Tom, can't we? Especially our, our tenacious play at the back. Ryan Delaney again, absolutely immense. Anthony O'Connor, superb. Badeau, superb. I don't, think the I, don't think, I don't think there's been a bad performance today. I think there's been everyone has done their part today. And it's just it's just a shame we haven't quite got three points. But um, but in that final third, some of the play was absolutely yep. electric, wasn't yep. it? Literally just the finishes that didn't mean we get three points today. Yeah, I mean I stand here tonight and uh, we're playing against Portsmouth, a team that uh, are high in the table, and it, how we haven't won by five or six is a travesty. The, the chances that we created today. I've played against Portsmouth many times in my career uh, as a manager and never had as many glaring opportunities as we had today. Um, we out-defended them, we outplayed them, we outran them, and the chances that we created were glaring. And uh, we should have won by a landslide, uh, there's no doubt about it. And that's not taking anything away from Portsmouth. The players from Portsmouth admitted on the pitch that you know we should have won the game because they knew they were in a, a real fight today and uh, the way that we passed the ball the way we found openings you know Shaw to get the first goal off of Adam Mayer it uh, was fantastic and uh, we lost a you know a poor goal at the, the end we should have had a penalty kick it was a foul uh, on Ryan Delaney in the box uh, he was held and I called it before it happened but unfortunately the referee gave it the opposite way and we haven't had you know some decisions that uh, have gone with us because listen we're the minnows we're playing against you know, superpowers in the league and we're not getting uh, the big decisions when they come along, there's no doubt about that. But the way we played today, the way we took the game to Portsmouth as we have done uh, over the season, that's 16 points now we've dropped from winning positions, the most in the league. That tells you the attacking play that we have and uh, puts to bed any rubbish that MD wants to talk about and there is people talk about it but they don't have a clue. And um, we then, you know, didn't you know finish it off and, and that's our biggest problem this season we've had chances to, to to win the game the big thing for me you know over the summer I've been disappointed because um, I've had to make changes and uh, unfortunately I've not been backed uh, enough in the summer to make the changes if we had been backed in the summer then we would have had a far different team to what we've got now and uh, that's a big disappointment for me coming back to to the football club because I've given my all here to get ourselves to stay in League One, to get ourselves out of League Two, to get in League One with the, the help of the staff and the players. And that's my biggest disappointment over the summer. We haven't been backed. The previous management were backed and we haven't been. Is that now? Obviously, it's really, really frustrating, isn't it? It's hugely frustrating for me. You know, we're fighting every day, you know, just to compete in this league. And, uh, you know, I've, you know, had to. Uh, try and wheel and deal and it's not been easy and uh, you see on this touchline you know trying to focus and get the players in we've taken in loan players and you know we just haven't been able to get uh, enough revenue uh, to help us and uh, that's what I keep on saying that uh, it's hugely frustrating for me as a manager of Morecambe Football Club because we've done ever so well you know to get out of League 2 to stay in League 1 last season because we were down and buried you know as I keep on saying we had 8 teams out of the the top 11 to play we had none of the bottom five to play and uh, you know we were able to stay there we're going to have to do the same again this year you know fifth bottom whatever it is above uh, is a huge success it's like winning the lottery for for Morecambe it's like you know it's 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 so people don't understand the, the supporters some do some don't they don't have a clue some of them and uh, because 
what goes in in the inner sanctuary of a football club, they've got no idea. But what I'll say is, I'm very proud of the players today and proud of the supporters because they were outstanding. But they've got to understand what Morecambe Football Club is, where Morecambe Football Club has come from and where it is today. It's in League One against Portsmouth. Do you know what Portsmouth is? Portsmouth have played in the Premier League. Portsmouth have been in the Championship. Portsmouth are an unbelievable football club. And if I was a guy like Danny Cowley, I wouldn't be happy tonight coming to Morecambe and drawing because I know what the supporters there of Portsmouth are. They're fantastic. They keep them going. You saw Danny Cowley at half-time coming on and clapping the supporters to try and get his team going. That's the, 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 the thing. That's what we did to Portsmouth today. We should have had them dead and buried. And if anybody says differently, they've not got one eye out of a clue about football. I think Danny Cowley's just come out and said very similar downstairs. So, uh, so that, that's a positive from you. Frustrating help us because we haven't won the game. We've had so many opportunities to win the game. It doesn't help us. That's the question. It's so frustrating, that, especially towards the end. Dylan Connolly one on one, Cole Stockton one on one again, and that's happened a few times this year. That must, must kill you. Yeah, it, it killed. It, it, as a manager, it doesn't help me. You know, um, you know, people look at statistics and look at uh, games won, games drawn. Doesn't help me. Flipping it, we got 20 chances today, but we haven't taken them. We need to take them. But uh, that's the way it is. The players gave their all, and I thought they were fantastic over the afternoon. So a long way of the season to go. From what you've just said, how important now is January for you? Is, is there any January, chance? we've skint. We're absolutely skint. We've got no money. Do you know what I mean? January doesn't mean anything to me. Do you know? So, what am I going to do? Proud of your players today. They yeah. put in a great, great performance. And now, okay, it's just building on and keeping that going. Well, as I keep on saying, we've lost 16 points in winning position. We should be in the playoffs. Exactly. That's the, that's the fact. Yeah, yeah. Dead hard for you to accept. The fans... They did give that full appreciation towards the Fans were fantastic. They kept that players going. And uh, they saw the chances that they created, the way that they walked, the way they ran forward, the chances they created. Unfortunately, their goalkeepers made a couple of good saves. We've maybe not uh, done well enough. But uh, over the afternoon, uh, the disappointing thing is not being able to win the game against Portsmouth. And that uh, is hugely frustrating. So for all our conversations now, what next? What's the next step? next step we come in on Monday morning and work again and uh, that's the, the beauty of it but um, you know we've thrown away two points today and we've done that too many times this season Liam a 1-1 draw to, with Portsmouth a thoroughly entertaining game and a man of the match performance from you on the positive side that must be good good news for you yeah de- delighted obviously it's always nice to pick up something like individually as well but just more Disappointed that we didn't get the three points for like the team and for the fans. Um, thought we thought we deserved it massively. Um, yeah, we played really well. Might be like one of his best performances of the season. But just feel like we need to be a little bit more clinical in front of goal, as we had a lot of chances which we didn't put away. But overall, like, happy with the team performance and proud proud of everyone to be honest. Happy yourself for getting a goal as well? Yeah, it's always nice. I need to be should be scoring more goals. Obviously from my position, it just hasn't been falling right. But obviously. Fell right today, not for the the carry on now. And get nice more. goal, a lot of good work from Adam Mayer down the right side to, to tee you up nicely and a, and a good finish. Yeah, I'm, I'm, with Adam as well, I think he's done really well. Obviously in training, and like you've seen today, like he's a good player, got a lot of quality, and yeah, I was just screaming at him to pull it back into the box as out of space, and yeah, just slotted it in. Looking at the game overall, I'm just still wondering really how you didn't win it. Yeah, I know. It's. <laughs> It's, it's good in a sense, like, as in like the performance playing against like sort of a big team, like obviously Portsmouth, like high in league, and it doesn't really bother us now. Obviously, we've got this confidence and stuff. Like, it doesn't matter who we play on like the Saturday or Tuesday, but 
again, it's just, like you said, just disappointing. Like, we feel like we should have won that. And, like, even though we played well, it's still, we need to be putting goals away and getting three points no matter what. So, yeah, we need to, obviously, get more three points. Yeah, you mentioned that you had plenty of chances to win it, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, we had a lot of chances, a lot of 1v1s. Could probably say, like, three or four clear cut, what we should be putting in, really. But, again... And on another day, we go in three, four nil. You know what I mean. So it's just, I think that's just football. But hopefully, do a bit, a bit of shooting practice and training. Another game where we come away from it thinking, yeah, you know, we're not, we're not far from being, a, you know, a good side who's going to climb the table. But you need to keep that going, don't you? The consistency is key. Yeah, like I say, consistency is massive. Just keep putting out performances like that, and feel like we'll be good. But we just need to, like I said next game is I think Saturday just same again start off right <coughs> hopefully score and then just keep on just keep on playing that we want to play and don't let the other team like, affect us and we'll just play how we play and I feel like against any team we'll do well You seem to have a nice little partnership with Jensen Weir there in the middle of the park now Yeah I feel like we've got a good understanding of each other because um, obviously there's a two obviously if one goes one needs to sit and obviously we've, he's really good technically as well so I feel like we've got that um, like kind of like a partnership where we trust each other on ball and kind of know like which, which angles and stuff and when to play so yeah it's a good player to play with It's the Shrimps Verdict Podcast part of Shrimps Live on Beyond Radio Thank you for downloading this episode always available of course after every single game home and away League and Cup Apple, Google, Spotify you can subscribe and share please do so or you can also find all episodes at beyondradio.co.uk click on the podcast section Uh, quite the post-match reaction then uh, as you heard from uh, Morecambe manager Derek Adams but he was absolutely right we should have won that one by a landslide but it's the fourth positive performance at the Mazuma in a row Ipswich Barnsley Derby and now Portsmouth four fancy teams coming to the Mazuma and we have given all four one heck of a game we should have got the three points today there is absolutely no question about that but we should go into next Saturday with so much confidence it's all about that consistency now isn't it and getting back to back good performances together ahead of our double header against Lincoln City Papa John's Trophy as we speak a week on Tuesday and uh, next Saturday Very important game in League One. If you're not making the long trip, full match commentary, of course, as ever, on Shrimps Live will be on Beyond Radio on FM and DAB Plus from 2.45 and also via I Follow Shrimps as well as appropriate. Ahead of the game, I've been talking to Gary Hutchinson. Gary is the founder and... uh, content creator from the Stacey West uh, it's uh, they do all sorts at the Stacey West it's a website it's a podcast it's a YouTube channel it's social media and one thing's for sure Gary is a Lincoln City super fan he's been following the team for many many years and the ideal man then to get the full lowdown on the imps ahead of our trip to Lincolnshire next Saturday so Gary uh, thanks for jumping on our uh, podcast really appreciate your time as ever before we get going into the nitty-gritty about the game between our two teams remind us um, about the Stacey West first and foremost why is your website and podcast and everything called the Stacey West? And why is there the away end at your stadium also called the Stacey West? Um, well, first of all, I'm, I'm pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Um, 
I'm, I'm actually called the Stacey West because the away end was once upon a time the home end. Um, so many moons ago, it was called the railway end. A train used to run along the back. And I kind of, that, that's where I grew up, so to speak. So I would always be that end of the ground. Um, so the Stacey West was kind of like a spiritual home. So I wanted to call my, I wanted to name the site after kind of a part of the ground. So I went for the Stacey West. Be amazed how many people contact me with um, unsolicited emails saying, hello, Stacey. Um, but the Stacey West is named after the two Lincoln City fans that lost their lives in the Bradford fire disaster, um, Bill Stacey and Jim West. So it's uh, it's one of the stands. Uh, it's a stand at the ground, rather, that will will never be handed over to a commercial sponsor. It's kind of a, a part and parcel of the community as well. So um, once I named my blog that, I did make contact with the family of Bill Stacey. Funnily enough, one of them actually messaged me today uh, for a chat and just to kind of get their OK. So that's the Stacey West. So you want a website? You're a podcast, you're a YouTube channel, you're a social media, you do it all, Gary. We're, we're a little bit of everything. Yeah, so I started just on my own as as the website, um, and that was just me kind of writing things and people paying attention and, and kind of getting a kick from that. Uh, and then alongside Ben Ward, we started the Stacey West podcast, which is now up to four presenters. We kind of rotate and we do specials and things. There is a YouTube channel, Jake Tong handles um, some of the match previews, and I do uh, what's turned out to be a rather bizarrely popular thing called the morning dog walk um which is just as technical as it sounds i walk my dog uh and do a live stream talking about lincoln city and that that's kind of gets a few hundred people a time watching as well so um yeah a little bit of any everything and it's a proper proper fans site and, and, and blog and and everything isn't it you're not corporate not tied to the club so as far as in that regard you can tell it like it is good and bad yeah, we try to. We we try to. Uh, you know, let, let, let's. I don't want to get it wrong. The club have been really good to us, and they give us access to the manager. I mean, we did a live podcast with Mark Kennedy before any of the media got with him in front of a, a live audience. So they've been really good. We've always said we want to be a critical friend. Um, and the one thing I always do is I always try and either find the silver lining in the cloud or I look for the cloud underneath the silver lining. I always think that way you've got a little bit of perspective if you're trying to look for the light in the dark and the dark in the light. So let's go on to matters on the field then, Gary, if we may. Two differing games against uh, the two sides last season, but uh, we are both very different animals this time around. How has your season gone so far? From an outsider's point of view, looks like a, a bit of a mixed bag, to say the least. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on, and nothing typifies it quite as much as um, the the last week or so. Uh, losing 1-0 to Chippenham Town in the FA Cup, which was probably our worst FA Cup result in our history. And then three days later, going to Bristol City, outplaying them for large portions of the game and winning 3-1 against a a championship side. That's Lincoln City. Um, We had an awful look in October where we had six former Premier League clubs come in. I mean, I know that's kind of par for the course, but we had Charlton and Sheffield Wednesday at the bank. Um, we had uh, Derby, we had to go away at Ipswich, we had to go away to Barnsley. I mean, it was just this awful run. We win at Ipswich, we win at Barnsley, we don't lose to Sheffield Wednesday or Charlton, we draw them, we beat Derby. I mean, it's just, wow, this is great. Uh, and then we go and lose at Port Vale and draw with a, a really poor, I mean, a really poor Accrington side. They are they are not a good side at all. That's us. Um, but it's a new manager. Uh, we're playing slightly different kind of style of football. There's a little bit more purpose and um, he's gone to a little bit of a different formation. 
and it's bedding in, it's settling in. And, you know, by his own admission, he's made mistakes. And I think most of the fans are happy to to stick with him and see where it goes. We're 13th in League One. Anybody who complains about that is 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 deluded. Lots of people will, of course, be very familiar with Michael Appleton, but they won't necessarily be overly familiar with Mark Kennedy. Many people will have seen him play for various different clubs, of course. But uh, tell us about Mark Kennedy as, as a football manager. Yeah, he's an interesting one. Um, I mean, you and I both both know Gab Sutton. Gab Sutton's a, a Blues fan, a Birmingham fan. I messaged Gab when Mark came uh, and said, what's he like? You know, he's your assistant manager. And Gab Sutton says, I don't know. Now, if Gab Sutton doesn't know something about League One football, that has got to be a real mystery because that kid knows everything. Um, so I say kid, sorry. I don't mean that derogatory. Do you know what I mean? But he knows everything. I think he's about 30, actually, Gary. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's, just got that, he's just got that look of eternal youth, hasn't yes, he? Yes, he has, so, hasn't he? he? Damn you it. Look at him, you just want to go, oh gab come on in i've got some lego for you to play with um anyway so um yeah mark kennedy i mean he, he came with no reputation he'd been at macclesfield where in 12 games he had won one and they'd got relegated you know but it, so really strange and when he was first appointed i spoke to our chief executive and he said look a lot of people in football will say this is a really good fit mark kennedy's a good fit for lincoln and vice versa but the fans won't 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 do that the fans won't say that they'll look at him and they'll say who's this um he's not well, let me say it. he's not a complete happy clapper. Um, so he, he said the right things in the media, but he's not afraid to say things that the fans perhaps don't like. After the Chippenham game, for instance, the accused fans who claimed three at the back is negative as not knowing about football in his post-match interview. So he doesn't pull any punches. He's very honest. and um, He's very much a head coach more than a manager. Try and talk to him about injuries. You get nothing out of him. Players come back when they come back. He's not going to tell you three days before and that Ted Bishop's back in the team. You're just going to get the team an hour before and they go, oh, he's back. Um, but he's proven to be relatively astute. I think he's very good at making negative situations about him. So post Chippenham, I think that his comments were perhaps a little inflammatory to take the focus off what was a really young squad with five of our six attacking players injured to try and take the pressure off them a little bit. And then they went to Bristol City, win 3-1, and he comes on and says, you know, that's nothing to do with me. That's this player doing this and this player doing that. So I think he's really good at that. I think for some people, the jury's out. I think in terms of a personality, he's somewhere between Michael Appleton and Danny Cowley. I mean, Michael Appleton, who I liked a lot, was he had the personality of a snooker ball in a sock, whereas Danny Cowley had the personality of a bag of fireworks going off. Do you know what I mean? They were completely different. Um, Mark Kennedy sits somewhere in the middle there. So at the minute... We've got we've not got an awful lot to complain about, and that's enough for me. A number of clubs in well, not just in League One, uh, have gone down the young or youngish up and coming head coach who's doing assistant elsewhere, making the first steps as as number one. And I, I suppose if you take that plunge, you've got to give it some time to work it out. Yeah, exactly. You have, and I mean. Uh, Rob Edwards is a good example, I think, who was at Forest Green. Did he go to Watford and then get sacked? Probably something like that. He'll get sacked at Watford. Um, so Mark Kennedy was assistant, I think, or worked with Rob Edwards at Wolves. And when Wolves moved on, Mark Kennedy kind of stepped up into his job. And like you say, I think a lot of people, a lot of football clubs have had a look at the Brentford model and seen what happened when, was it um, Dean Smith? Was it Dean Smith left Brentford and um, Thomas Frank stepped up? I'm, I'm terrible at anything above League One. It's alien to me 
But nothing changed. The recruitment stayed the same. The tactics stayed the same. The, the method of football stayed the same. And so I think clubs now want to try and prove themselves against the manager walking away and all of a sudden having to start all over again. They want to have that kind of model in place. I think that's where we are. If Mark Kennedy does well and moves on, like Danny Cowley did, for instance, and we get compensation for him moving on somewhere else, we basically want very little to change. So the assistant manager could step in or a new man could step in. Um, so there's a lot of focus on young players as well. And I think, again, when you've got managers coming out of the under-21s and the B-team structure, Neil Critchley being a good example, of course, at Blackpool, they have a more, uh, they have a better focus on developing young players. Sadly, that's the way football at our divisions in our divisions going, isn't it? Every team that's successful has either got young players on loan from Premier League clubs or young players who have served three or four kind of years as an apprentice and then have been released. Um, so we've got to make the most of that. Yeah, we've got three players, young players, 2021 on loan from, well, two from the Premier League, one from the Scottish Premiership and and one from the Championship. So uh, that, that that is the way that a lot of sides in, in League One have to cut their cloth accordingly, I suppose. So let's drill down a bit more into the team then, Gary. Give us everything we need to know about a current season, Lincoln City team, formations, players to watch. What do we need to know? You've you've asked me to give you that. I could now talk for an hour and I appreciate your <laughs> podcast probably doesn't have that runtime. Um, so let, uh, let's let, kind of, let's pick it up after we've beat Bristol Rovers 6-3. So we went to Bristol Rovers, we won 6-3. It was brilliant. Joey Barton was furious. Everybody loves to see that. Excellent. Um, we conceded far too many goals. That game could have finished 8-6 to, to Bristol Rovers. So Mark went three at the back, which suits us perfectly. We've got, in my opinion, some of the best centre-halves at, at this level. So to play three of them at the same time just makes sense. Um, so we play three at the back. Joe Walsh is probably the best of those. He was at MK Dons, you might remember, for, for a while. Um, he's on a, a pathway back to fitness. He's had a terrible two years. But he plays on the left side of the defence, and I think he's crucial. Regan Paul, who was a Man United youngster, was at Newport and MK Dons. Um, is our captain at the moment in the absence of Tom Hopper. And then you've got anyone of, of, of maybe TJ Oma plays in there. Um, Adam Jackson plays in there. Paddy O'Connor, who we signed from Bradford City. So we've got a real strong base and we're quite hard to beat. Um, I don't think that we've conceded two goals in a game since um, the end of September, which was when we lost or beginning of October when we lost 2-0 to Bolton. And we handed them both those goals. Giff Raptorman handed them. So we're hard to beat. We play attacking wing-backs who aren't actually attacking wing-backs. They're very much full-backs. So the fans think it feels like a five at the back. And he's just trying to find a way around that at the minute. So Jamie Robson came from the um, Scottish Premier League. He, he's been in and out at left-back with Sean Rowan. Midfield is tough. We've got some good midfielders, but probably not midfielders that suit playing two. And that's what we kind of play is then a two kind of holding central midfielders. Matty Virtue's one who's doing really well. He was a former Liverpool youngster. We've got him on loan from Blackpool, scored a belter against Bristol City. He's settling quite nicely. Then around him, it's one from any number. Probably Max Sanders, who came from Brighton again at the end of his pathway. But you've got Max Sor um Sorry, Lass Sorensen can play in there. Um, you've got Jacob Davenport who could play in there, who we've got on a short-term deal. Ted Bishop could play in there, who's been injured and come back. Um, and then up top, we're struggling a bit because we have this um, model, this, this recruitment model of one of two players for every position. But that means two right-wingers, two left-wingers and two strikers. Well, two strikers isn't enough because if you want to go two up top in the dying stages, you've got nothing you can bring on. 
Tom Hopper's injured. He's been out for weeks and weeks. So you're looking at Ben House almost certainly up top. Done really well, five goals so far. Former Scotland under 21, international really soft feet. But he ain't six foot three and you can't put a big ball on his head if you need to relieve pressure in the dying stages. But he's doing well. Um, Jack Diamond's been on loan. He's on loan from Sunderland. Done really well. I think he's got five goals, but I think three of those are penalties. Danny Mandriu, we signed from um, uh, Shamrock Rovers. He scored three and three got injured uh, so he's out Charles Vernon so we, we've got options but at the, again like I think I said to you last year at this time you're not going to face the strongest Lincoln City and we haven't been able to put out our strongest side now probably for the duration of Mark Kennedy's reign and probably the last 18 months of Michael Appleton's which is a real shame different forward options then to what you had last season I remember obviously Anthony Scully Lewis Fiorini, John Marquis for a time. And, and so it's so, a so very different proposition in the final third then. Yeah, definitely. We've been guilty of not creating enough, but we've been clinical enough to finish those. So when you see those those kind of graphics on Twitter where you know it has the most wasteful and the, the least prolific and all of that, we seem to be out on our own. We don't create many chances. But yeah, we're we're, we're that end of the spectrum as well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But to be fair, you know, you, you go to Ipswich, you win 1-0, you've got to have something about you. You know, you've got to take your chances when they come. They had 33 shots that game. I think it was only about seven on target, six on target. Um, against Accrington, we did have nine efforts, seven on target. So we're beginning to be creative. Look, you don't go to a championship side and score three goals if you don't have ability up top. And as I say, that's without Danny Mandriu, who we don't know when he's coming back, but who's a real danger. Um, I, I just think we've left ourselves a little bit light. We've played teams this season like um, Accrington, like Forest Green, like Fleetwood, who 70 minutes, they're trailing, they're chasing the game, they bring a lump on. Forest Green did it, we were beating them. Connor Wickham, come on, got the goal. Fleetwood did it, they brought Promise, somebody or other on, I can't think of his name. They were 2-1 down. He flicked someone on in the final few minutes. Bingo, it's 2-2. So that's what we lack. But then we know we're a work in progress. You know, we're not the same team that went to the playoff final two years ago. That was an anomaly. That was the the wage cap. That was, you know, the gods aligning, Pluto and Uranus and all that sort of thing. This is the actual project, the real deal. Tell us about your goalkeeper as well, Gary. Carl Rushworth, he's, he's a, it's got a, already a brilliant reputation. I know a few Warsaw fans from last season and they said he's absolutely incredible. Really good goalkeeper. Doesn't look the biggest. Uh, really good keeper. Been injured twice this season already and come back. Um, great shot stopper. Looked like any young keeper. He has made the odd error here and there. I think the, was it Port Vale, where he's rather than kind of push a ball away, he's pushed it back into a striker's feet and he scored. But that happens. We've done really well with goalkeepers over the past few years. With Alex Palmer, who's now West Brom's number one. We had Josh Griffiths, who who's having a real rough time actually down at Portsmouth at the moment. Um, so we do well. We have a really good backup as well in Jordan Wright. He was a, a forest lad, about six foot ten or something. He's absolutely huge, and he's been called into action. But but what you need at this level is for for continuity, in my opinion, is a settled goalkeeper who understands his back four. We didn't have that last year. We played 23 different combinations of back four in League and Cup. This season, it's you know, it's almost always Regan Paul, Paddy O'Connor, Adam Jackson with Joe Walsh dipping in and out. Carl Rushworth behind that. They're getting that understanding, and that's why we're keeping clean sheets. So you look at the league table, you see that little old Morecambe are coming across to play you just, well, as we speak, hopefully it's going to be three wins from 18 games, two wins from 17 
at a time of recording on Friday tea time before our respective uh, weekend games. It, it's it's going to be an easy victory, isn't it? Never. No, I'd never ever say that. First of all, Lincoln City beat the teams they're not meant to and lose to the teams that they're not meant to. And please, I put that in inverted commas um, because it's so easy to fall into the trap of looking at a team and going, oh, they don't get as many fans as us. They don't have the same budget as us. They're in this position. They're in that position. It's an absolute fallacy. It, you know, Sheffield Wednesday were third. We drew with them. Ipswich were second or top. We beat them. Who knows? Tomorrow we might go and beat Plymouth and then you guys come and you beat us. I think that um, that is, it is a, the way that some fans think. Oh, absolutely it is. Um, but there's very, very little difference between the bottom six and the top six in this division, in my opinion, because on any given day, anybody can beat anybody. Hard work and application will get you um, so far as well. And the honest truth is that this division isn't as good as, you, as, as a lot of the bigger teams seem to think it is. OK, you've got your Ipswiches and your Sheffield Wednesdays who can spend money. Um, but outside of that, is there a massive difference between Cambridge, Exeter, Port Vale, Accrington, Morecambe, Lincoln, Oxford? No, we're all pretty much of a muchness. And and that's I say that with the greatest of respect. But the, the little wins are where it's the managers who can outthink the other manager. Because you proved it last year on any given day. We came to you. We, we were expected to win that game. We were comfortably beaten. You came to us, it was on a knife's edge, it was 2-1, probably deserved something from that game. We were really, really poor. Yeah, you look at Morecambe and you go, we should be beating teams like Morecambe. It's disrespectful and it's lazy punditry. That's an interesting thing that you've said there, Gary, because a lot of people who I speak to, they describe League One as the haves and the have-nots and you've got the eight or nine clubs with money to spend and they're going to be there or thereabouts at the end of the season. And then you've got the rest of League One or, or maybe a middle section of neither here nor there's and then a, a bottom half section, if you will, who haven't got the money to spend. And they are all much of a muchness. But from what you've said, you don't quite share that opinion. No, look, I think your budget probably dictates where you're going to finish. And I think if you're a Sheffield Wednesday or a Derby or a Barnsley in January comes around, you've got the means by which to go out and, and kind of strengthen and cover any injuries. Whereas if you are again, with the greatest respect, Morecambe or Accrington or, or, or a team who of that kind of ilk, you probably haven't. And we do sit somewhere in the middle of that. But I think in terms of actual ability, actually on the pitch, lining up face to face, I don't think there's any game where one team can go into it and say, we should absolutely categorically win this game. And, you know, and Accrington are a classic example of that because now for longer than we've been in League One, they've been in this le at this level. Accrington Stanley, in terms of big clubs, and, and for listeners, I'm doing that awful little quotation <laughs> thing with my fingers. But in terms of big clubs, Accrington Stanley are smaller than half of the League Two. No doubt whatsoever. They're not as big as Stockport. They're not as big as Bradford. They're not as big as Grimsby. I could go on and on and on. But what do they do? They stay in League One every year. Why? Because they've got a good manager who understands how to approach games. He'll change his approach to each to each team as well. He'll, and, and Derek Adams, to a degree, is like that. He's been at this division. He knows what you need to do. He knows when he's going to shut up shop. He knows when he's going to nullify a certain threat from another team. And, you know, it, money is a little bit of a, a, a given and, and, and a little bit of luck as well, keeping injury free and having the personnel to do what you need to do. But I think if you've got a manager like Joe, like John Coleman and like, dare I say it, I'm not blowing smoke up your rear, but but, but a, a Derek Adams, somebody like that, who understands the division, knows how to nullify, knows which points to go and get, knows where 
you know, I'm going to go for a draw here or we can get this or we can nick this or that. There isn't, there isn't an awful lot of difference. And that's why you see Cambridge, for instance, doing well at the minute. They shouldn't have done well last year. They came up, they lost the leading scorer. Mark Bonner's got no real reputation in the game, but he understands his players, he understands his opposition and he implements game plans accordingly. And But sometimes it's, it, it is about obviously knowing the teams that you're playing in your respective division and, and having that game plan. It's unpalatable with some fans, though, isn't it, who think they should be super attacking, think you should go out to try and win every game. But it's a long old season, isn't it? And and I think that's what Derek Adams, from our point of view, has been trying to say to a lot of the fans who are perhaps starting to turn against him, given the season that we've had and, and how, well, let's be honest, how poorly we've played in some, in some games. The manager is saying that we are setting up to win every game. And it doesn't appear to be the case. But uh, as you've rightly said there, Gary, it is all about that, that game by game. You've got to know your opposition. And more to the point, you've got to know what your players within your squad are capable of. Yeah, 100%. Look, we set up to win the Barnsley game and we did that by letting them have the ball for 70% of the time. So setting up to win a game means a very different thing to somebody in football to, than a paying fan. A paying fan thinks setting up to win the game is, is you know, two four four, two centre-backs and then going gung-ho. It absolutely isn't. And having a plan B or a plan C or an alternative approach if it doesn't work is also really crucial. And that's one reason Michael Appleton lost our fans last season because he had one way of playing and that was it. And we would get to games, for instance, MK Don's Boxing Day, where we were 2-0 up. We'd played a certain way. It was leaving us open at the back. We'd ridden our up, but we're 2-0 up. What you want is a manager who's then savvy enough to go, right, I'm taking this player off. I'm going to shrink back a little bit. We'll let him have the ball. We'll have two banks of four. But he couldn't do that. And that flexibility is something that we'll also see teams either do well or not do well. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if, if we play Bristol Rovers, when we played Bristol Rovers, they had um, one fit centre-back. Uh, then they got another one's red card rescinded and then Joey Barton dropped him anyway. So he had one fit centre-black, played three at the back. We knew that if we were to target and, and kind of go all out attacking, we could score goals. We scored six. Since then, we've played three at the back and we've, you know, we've, we've had very few shots on goal in certain games. So being able to kind of twist things around um, is really important. And for fans, I'm afraid, sometimes you just have to bite down and accept that there will be runs of games where you look really poor because fans think that a game of football is poor if their team doesn't have the ball. Whereas Mark Kennedy against Bristol City came out and said, Lincoln City, we're at our best when we don't have the ball. We're brilliant when we don't have the ball. But it's like, you know, it's like watching chess, isn't it? If you're watching football where you don't have the ball, it's like, what am I watching? I'm watching the other team pass the ball around. So, you know, but sometimes that's a necessity. Parking the bus and, and trying to nick it is great, though, when it works. When it doesn't, yeah. it's it's the worst thing in the world, isn't it? Oh, we played Charlton a couple of weeks ago and both teams had three shots on goal, one on target. I mean, it was just the most turgid game I've ever had the misfortune to witness. But it's a clean sheet and a point at home. I mean, <laughs> yeah, against the team who have been in the Premier League recently. And so if fans won't think that they want to go back to 2016-17, which they call the glory days, you know, when we were beating Tranmere 2-1 at home to go top in the National League, I know exactly where I'd rather be all day long. And you know, we're great at parking the bus. The trouble is when you do it at home, and that's where that bringing it kind of back round to our game, that's where next Saturday's game is going to be really interesting for us. We can do it against Plymouth tomorrow or today, as your uh, listeners are listening to this. We can park the bus, we can look to nick it. But like you alluded to earlier, when a team like, inverted commas again, Morecambe comes to Bank, 
you've got to be able to go and attack them because if two teams part the bus and just sit there, it's going to be like that scene from The Simpsons where you know everyone <laughs> just gets bored in the end. <laughs> Gary, great to chat as ever. Thank you so much indeed for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, just before you go, what would a, a successful season be then in terms of league position for Lincoln City this season? Finish now. Um, I, I, just, I think in, in truth, anything outside the bottom four, um, but I'd let's say upper upper lower half of the table. So anything from twelfth to fourteenth. Be nice to get past Southampton in the League Cup and earn a few quid, get to the quarterfinals. But you know, other than that, I think just survival and a bit of a cup run. And uh, let's have a couple of predictions then. Uh, personally, obviously, our, our game on on Saturday. And for, from what you little you know about Morecambe, Gary, and, and what you've seen elsewhere in League One. What glimmers of light can you give us that, that we can get out of the bottom four and stay in League One for a third season? I've seen some bad teams. I haven't seen you yet. Um, and so I saw Forest Green. I think they're overrated. Um, I saw Accrington. I thought they were very, very poor. Uh, some of the so-called good teams we've seen are not that good. Uh, you know, and once you get into the winter months, it's going to be tougher. And the honest truth is, and again, it's not meant to sound disrespectful, Except Wednesday Derby, Ipswich Barnsley, they don't want to come and play football somewhere like Morecambe. And when I say somewhere like Morecambe, I mean, you know, a smaller ground, the kind of a, a little bit tighter, a little bit packed in. It's not the so-called opulence they like. Yeah. But what your fans need to do is just stick with the manager and back the team, and, and really make these places difficult for those uh, those teams to go to. And I actually think you'll take a point from us as well. Um, I think it would probably be something like a one-all draw on, on Saturday. One more time <laughs> before you go, Gary, give us the uh, the sales pitch and the plug for the Stacey West. Yeah, so it's the stacywest.net. Uh, and if any of your readers are interested in my stories as the Lincoln City mascot poacher, the imp, uh, the book Suited and Booted by Gary Hutchinson is on Amazon. Gary, really appreciate your time. Great to chat. Uh, good luck for the rest of the season after... Uh, Saturday, of course, and we'll uh, we'll speak later in the campaign, no doubt. Pleasure. Take care. Thank you. Every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio.